Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Philip Katafimo with Believe in Angels on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Well, I want to thank uh, my guest, the host of Believe in Arizona Cardinals on the Believe Podcast Network, Ed Smith, for coming on last week and kicking off my series, uh, Outside Looking In. Awesome interview. Uh, if you did not get a chance to listen to it, please go check it out. Ed is had a, an incredible journey from playing in the minor leagues to playing in the Super Bowl. Ed has an incredible journey, and I'm happy that he wanted to share it with me. Uh, I could not have asked for a better first interview. Ed, if you're listening, I appreciate you, uh, and uh, I, I look forward to speaking to you again. Um, so with that, uh, once again, thank you to Ed. Guys, go check out Believe in Arizona Cardinals if you're a Cardinals fan, uh, or just in general, Ed's a great guy. So uh, seriously, Ed, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you one more time for coming on. It's a great show. Um, I do apologize if the audio is a little bit low on Ed's end. I had to record the audio through my phone. We talked through speakers, so I apologize. But since then, I did get a brand new phone. Uh, it is much better on the speaker side, so this interview coming up uh, is much better, and you're going to get to listen to that in just a few minutes. Just some general housekeeping things for right now. Uh, this week will be the uh, not the last week, but I promise next week I will talk about the Angels. I know some things have been going on in the offseason that should be touched upon because this show is first and foremost about the Los Angeles Angels, not about former athletes. It's just something I wanted to do before we kicked off the offseason. So next week I will do uh, a full Angels show. We'll talk about Tommy Larusa coming in as a and as an advisor, Mike Trout winning the MVP, uh, Mike Trout really wanting the Angels to make the playoffs. Uh, and, and by then I'm pretty sure we'll have a couple more signings. Uh, the Angels brought up a few guys and to their 40-man roster like every team does every season. Um, but uh, Yasmani Grandal is a White Sox, so we've already kind of got the ball rolling with the offseason already, and, I mean, it's just going to keep going from here. So this week, after this week, I'm going to take a, a, a week off from interviewing athletes, and I'm going to talk about the Angels, and then the week after, we'll get right back into outside looking in. Um, uh, that's that's really all I wanted to say in terms of the programming on, on my show is I have not abandoned the Angels. I am very, very aware that this show is first and foremost believe in Angels, not believe in former athletes. This is just something I had a passion for that I wanted to, to bring about and kind of talk to former athletes and get their stories, get their experiences, good and bad. Regardless, and I just thought it'd be a fun series to touch upon. But uh, before we get into this, uh, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate on iTunes. We are available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Uh, you can find the show, uh, you, excuse me, you can find the network at Believe.com, Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, uh, on uh, social media, at Believe Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is at intern underscore Phil. Tweet at me. I'd be happy to talk with you. Um if you're interested in advertising, same thing, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. So let's get into it. My guest this week was Daryl Reynolds, 2016 Villanova NCAA champion, a former basketball player at Lower Marion High School. That's where he went to school at. We talked about that. We talked about his experience with, with uh, AAU basketball. Uh, we went into his time at Villanova and his time after Villanova. Got an opportunity to play with the Philadelphia 76ers. He is currently hosting uh, Big Five on the Believe Podcast Network, which is a Philadelphia-centered show show 
and uh, believe in the Philadelphia 76ers, which is also on our podcast network. So go check that out. Uh, He's got a network called Stay Tuned Network. Go check that out. He's got a lot of personal stuff that he started that he's real excited about. So guys, go give him some love. Hit him up on Twitter. Talk to him on Instagram. He was an incredible interview. A really, really great guy. Uh, Back-to-back solid interviews. Again, I could not ask uh, any – I got to shout out Cam Rogers, who is one of our guys here at Believe who helped hook up the interviews with Ed and Daryl, giving me two solid interviews. I got to thank you, Cam. I I really appreciate uh, your part in in playing this. Um, But, uh, look, I want to get into it. I want to get into the interview. So, uh, with that, enjoy this interview with uh, Daryl Reynolds, and we'll talk about the Angels next week. I am joined by the host of two shows on the Believe Network, Big Five and Believe in 76ers, former Villanova national champion, Daryl Reynolds. Daryl, thank you very, very much for joining me today. What's going on with you, man? How you been? I've been doing good. It's going to be a really fun conversation. I got an opportunity last week to talk with Ed Smith. He was a former MLB and NFL player. He went to the Super Bowl. Uh, It was an incredible conversation, but basketball is actually my number one sport so it's uh, pretty cool to get an opportunity to talk with somebody who's played at the higher levels for uh for basketball <laughs> so Terrell, you started out uh growing up in philadelphia uh were you a 76ers fan growing up yes sir yes sir uh a 76ers fan because i was around the age i started to become like aware of the game and stuff like that was uh, around the era that the ai was coming up Yep. And I was about uh, six or seven when they went on that. Um, I was seven when they were um, going to the finals. So, like, you know, I was at, at that age, you kind of start to become, like, aware of what's going on around you. You know what I mean? I started to understand, like, oh, my God, basketball is really a big deal outside of Space Jam. You know, like, we <laughs> past that. And uh, as, that, as that, like, went on, I was like, oh, God. And he just – I'm from South Philly. The arenas are about 20 minutes from where I was raised, and it's like – just to see, you know, um, that impact so close was, was crazy. It was crazy so we're kind of connected a little bit. You're a 76ers fan. I'm a diehard Lakers fan. And you attended Lower Marion High School. And that's the <laughs> high school that my all-time favorite basketball player went to, Kobe Bean Bryant. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot, a lot of crossovers, man. A lot of crossovers. <laughs> A lot of crossovers, my God. But yeah, man, it's funny. So I was actually just, um, I mean, obviously we'll get to why I'm, I'm not playing right now later. Um, but I just left Lower Marion. So the reason that I'm in the car right now talking to you is I'm on my way home. Uh, I'm coaching at Lower Marion this year. I went back to my alma mater. And uh, I did direct the player development at Nova last year. And I decided to go to Lower Marion and try it out. Wow. Uh, I mean, First of all, congratulations. So you're the head coach over at Lower Marion, or are you, or are you an assistant? No, no. Oh, God, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I am one of the 18 assistants. No. Um, <laughs> no, I probably won't be the head coach. If anything, I'll be the head coach of Lower Marion after I've made a substantial amount of money because that part of town's uh, taxes are very nice. <laughs> a substantial amount of money saved up, and I'm pretty much in retirement. I can see myself going back to Ballard and Wood and being the head coach of Wolverine. But right now, I'm just, I'm just another voice. <laughs> well, uh, nonetheless, it's it's incredible. It's uh, very, very impressive that you get to go back to your alma mater, and now you get to teach the next generation of basketball players. But kind of getting back to when you attended, uh, you you had an incredible run with the Aces. Uh, 
meet reaching a Pennsylvania class for uh, a state championship. Uh, the first time all, or excuse me, first team all Central League, first team all main, uh, all main line. I'm kind of reading these as I'm going, but uh, a very impressive career. Uh, with Lower Marion playing at the Kobe Bryant gym or gymnasium, and uh, but I, uh, you know we can go on and on about the the kind of legacy that that carries Lower Marion. But you played AAU basketball, and a very significant basketball player, LeBron James, spoke kind of negatively against AAU. And I was curious, what was your yeah. AAU experience like? Um, so I played for several AAU teams. The first. Uh, being the Jersey Shore Warriors and the second um, being Philly Pride. My experience with Philly Pride was substantially better than my experience with the Jersey Shore Warriors um, for a number of reasons. And I think part of me had matured to a certain extent, but the program just seemed to be a better fit. But I hated AAU, quite frankly. Uh, to me, it, it was necessary evil. I was, like you said, I had a great high school career, and I hoped that off of that, I would get the offers and exposure to colleges that I would need to become a high-caliber player. And it was quite the opposite. If you don't play AAU in today's world, they don't see you. And um, being on staff at Nova this past year, I completely understand why from a college coach's standpoint, it's a dream come true. You know, if you have a kid in Ohio, a kid in Florida, a kid in New York, and a kid from Texas that you all want to see, that you you, you want to see all four of them. Um, and you know that all four of them are going to be playing against each other at a tournament in Georgia, you know, that's a lot easier than I got to jump to this high school, that high school, that high school. Uh, with that being said, I think AAU has turned into too much of a machine. Um, so I think LeBron was completely right. Like these kids, they're playing all these games and you're at these tournaments eating like hot dogs and Skittles and stuff for lunch. You know, you're not exactly taking care of your body and fueling. Nobody's really icing or stretching after games and, and seriously before games. So it just... No, AAU to me is kind of what happened with college around like the late 90s, the mid 90s when it started to really turn into a business. I feel like AAU is kind of at that point where it's they've taken a lot of fun out of it and it's a business. So, yeah, LeBron was right. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more, to be completely honest. I didn't play AAU basketball, but I did play for a travel baseball team when I was about 10 or 11. And at first it started out to be a lot of fun. And then after that, it got to be, like you said, a business where winning kind of became the forefront, the development aspect of it stopped and it honestly stopped being fun. Uh, I know my sister joined a travel softball team that promised that she was going to get scholarship opportunities and good looks. And she didn't play a single game uh, for that softball team uh, the entire, the entire season. And it just, it got to the point where, you know, it just got to the point where winning was the only priority, but uh, it's good to hear that you had a, a positive AAU experience. So going off of, Actually, it was a Lower Marion game that kind of caught the attention of Coach Jay Wright of Villanova. He was sitting down next to Larry Brown, pointed you out during a Chester-Lower Marion game. Now, granted, they were there to see Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, but Jay, Jay Wright walked away with a uh, with a prospect. <laughs> yeah, man. First of all, shout out Mr. Brown for, for, for spotting me. If you read the article, Mr. Brown, like Larry Brown was the one who was like, yo, I like that kid. And Coach was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But like you say, he did one we like, maybe there's something there. And um, it's weird. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of weird. Like once, you know, that, that kind of started up because I never, I got to be honest with you, coming up, I consider myself to be either 
a St. Joe's guy because there was a great guy at um, Old Marion named Garrett Williamson who went to St. Joe's after they won the state championship. He's up on the wall in the Coke Prime Gymnasium. So it was either like that guy or, you know, um, it was, I was a Temple guy because I had family members that went to Temple. So I never really considered myself to be even in line for Nova because I understood how guard heavy they were. And, you know, I'm from South Philly. So it was like, in my mind, it was like, as far as I'm going to go is, is this, you know, as far as in the city is North Philly. I never considered myself to be out at the main line. But then obviously I ended up at Lower Marion and, and Nova became a little more realistic. Well, you did start out at a uh, Worcester Academy and you led the Hilltoppers to a 21 and six record. Uh, what was it like, you know, let's, let's go from your senior year. Um, you get done playing with the aces at Lower Marion high school. Um, this is of course, at the, around the same time that Coach Wright and Coach Brown were sitting down and watching you play in that Chester basketball game. But um, at the end of your your senior year, you only had one significant offer, which was from a D2 school named Holy Family University. But uh, as the season went on, you started getting looks, a lot of D1 looks. It was Seton Hall, Utah, and South Carolina that, at least from what I've seen, there was obviously more. Um, but those kind of the prominent offers. But what made you kind of go, you know what? I'm not going to sign with those guys. I'm going to take. I'm going to go play at this school right here, probably a smaller school, and I'm going to prove that I deserve a Division One scholarship. Um. Well, it was actually that that exact attitude that kept me going because I was definitely like I. I felt as though I should be able to play at a, a higher level, and like I said, now between uh, as raw as I was, quite frankly, and as little AAU as I played, I really stacked the cards against myself as far as uh, making it into that world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. making an impression on uh, college basketball coaches. But like you said, you know, I, I, I started getting those offers and I'm looking at the list and it came down to North Carolina, Seton Hall, Utah, and going over. And uh, Seton Hall was nice, but it's just, it, it didn't seem to line up with what I needed academically. And, you know, that was something that was very, to me, that was kind of like how basketball really started to become uh, more and more serious when I realized like I'm probably not going to go to college at a decent college if I don't get a scholarship you know what I mean so it kind of it took on another level once that it hit me like freshman sophomore year and I really started taking it serious um but anyway you know it was seeing always nice but like it didn't feel like I did messed up academically so I was like all right I'm in this for academics probably shouldn't lean that way I like Utah. Uh, it just didn't seem like the right fit, quite honestly. With something about it, it just didn't. It didn't seem like the right fit for me. And really, South Carolina was only going over like true competition. And I went down there. I met with Frank Martin. I went on my visit, um, and I loved it. I loved it. It was just I was more interested in being a part of an established uh, thing. Like Frank Martin, he just took over the job there with some transfers. And I mean, look, by the end of my, by my senior year, they made the final four. Seton Hall gave us a run for our money every year while I was in the Big East. I think the only year we beat them, we did not lose to them was my senior year. But my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we, Seton Hall was the only Big East team that we lost to all three of those years. Um, Utah had that great run. They had Kyle Kuzma there. You know, they made the tournament. I think three out of the four years I was in college. So, like, all of them were great schools, but just Nova, between the academics, uh, the community, um, you know, Phil, and quite frankly, it was two people with my comm professor, my phone professor, uh, Hezekiah Lewis, and Coach Wright. You know, my conversations that I had with them in the same day on my official visit, 
that was like, this is where I need to be. You know, Hezekiah Lewis, he had a great mind for film. He he told me that he would he would teach me how to never look film look at film the same way. And right there, I was like, I want to be under this guy. And me and Coach Wright sat on campus our first like talk at length because obviously we see each other at tournaments, we pass each other uh, at the district finals and stuff like that. But here we are face to face, and our first meeting, we're talking about everything but basketball. And I was like this is the dude I want to be coached by, you know, because he gets life outside of this game. Do you think that a lot of younger players kind of forget about that life after the game when they decide to go to college, when they go from college to the pros quickly? Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I don't, I don't, to me, you know, I don't understand how people don't understand. Like that is in the fine print. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is in the damn fine print. Like you have to read the fine print. It's just like if you get a contract, the same thing. You have to read the fine print. The the little known, well, the little paid attention to, should I say, uh, truth about sports is you can only play it up until, you know, you're 35, 40 if you're Vince Carter. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. that, that, that's just how it works. Like you have to, God willing, you have a lot more life after that. You at least would expect to have as much life as you had in it out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you live to be a, a cool uh, 70, and that's obviously a blessing itself. But, like, a lot of athletes overlook that, man, especially when choosing their colleges. You know, they just go after the place that looks this or looks that. Like, somebody told me great advice, and I, I see some of the guys who – you know, were cool with me and we came up together and they went to different schools out in different areas. It rings true. Like wherever you go to college, if you're going to be a four year player there, you better be ready to live there afterwards because that's where you lay your foundation. That's where your network is. So unless you like really set up where you're from, you know, you're going to need your college, a place where you built so much of your identity um, to be accessible. And more importantly, you need your college coach to be a man who like really cares about you outside of basketball. You know what I mean? You hear some of these guys, they leave these colleges and they can't even get their former coach on the phone. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not how it should be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, you know, guys like you who have the, the talent to get to the Division One level and possibly to, to the next level, which would either be in the NBA or overseas, whatever it may be. You know, there are that there is that niche group of guys who, you know, you go back, okay, 2003, it's a little further back, but Jay Williams, you know, phenomenal basketball player Duke gets drafted very early in the first round by the Bulls gets into a car accident and his career is over you know I don't think a lot of these guys think about um life after basketball like you said and uh for some of these guys it hits them pretty hard but uh thankfully uh, it did not hit you hard because you had a great career over at Villanova um you ended up going to Villanova obviously as we discussed um oh before I forget uh there's another connection we have so you went to Villanova, Josh Hart played at Villanova, and Kyle Kuzma played at Utah, one of the schools that you were looking at. And again, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'm just saying, we're still connected. Six degrees, man. Six degrees, I call it the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I don't know, if, I think that's a pretty common, common <laughs> phrase. But anyway, so you get to Villanova. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you coming in as a freshman uh, and even in your sophomore year as well, um, kind of getting taken under the wing of Javon Pinkston and what he did for your game going forward. Should I talk about JP? Yes, sir. Oh, my God. Another guy who, um, when I think about like 
our relationship, I don't just think of in the sense of basketball. I think of a man. JP is, is probably the most thorough individual I know uh, in the sense of how loyal he is to somebody who he cares for and loves and the guys who he considers, you know, his brothers. And um, I was happy as hell. I became one of those. I got to be honest, if, if anybody asked JP, he was straight up tell you when he first met me, he thought I was a damn weirdo. Uh, I was definitely a little odd. I mean, I was an awkward kid coming to college. Like, you know, it was, it was weird the first couple weeks or whatever, but JP really is like the only person that still reminds me of that little stint. But by the end of our first summer together, man, I was, I was one of his favorite people. And, and we we still, when he comes home uh, from Europe over the summers, we still connect and still chill out. Like that's, that's, that's really my big brother. And so, I mean, Javon's development with you kind of making you a harder, a tougher player and making you a kind of preparing you for the next two years of your college career, because as a junior, you played uh, a solid role in the championship season in 2016. Um, but you had your first opportunity to start on, you know, in the starting lineup when uh, uh, when Daniel Ochifu, or I think I'm saying his last name, uh, Okifu, excuse me, when he went down, Ochefu, thank you. Uh, when he went down, you had an opportunity to start against Providence, and yeah. man, you you played pretty pretty damn well for your first game starting at the D1 level. 19 points and 10 rebounds is a double-double. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it was it was great. It was great. It was just, obviously, I mean, for, for my career, it was definitely, like, a very liberating moment to show, like, oh, my God, I belong at this level and I can play. Uh, looking back on it, uh, the competitor in me, the, the unsatisfied part of me, wish I could have stressed it out a little bit longer. Um, but it was great, man. And to me, like I, like you said, I went to Worcester Academy uh, up in up in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, which was about forty five minutes from Providence. And when I was at Worcester, I don't know if anybody knows about Worcester, but like it ain't exactly Miami. So like once you, <laughs> it's it's a rough little town. You know what I mean? So like every weekend, I would go to a teammate's house in Boston. My roommate, he was a baseball player, Jesse Valdez. Shout out Jesse. He lived in Boston. A lot of his baseball buddies, they live in Boston. So I would always either leave on weekends to Boston or I would go to Providence. You know what I mean? So when we had that game, everybody from up there, actually Jesse and his, like, best friend from baseball, they came to the game. So to do it up there in front of them, man, like, that's – that's one like I'm gonna tell my grandkids about that game. <laughs> it, it was one. <laughs> it, was, it was a great. It was a great effing day, man. It was a great day. Now, if if memory serves me correct, Ben Batil was the man on the other yeah. side for Providence. What was it like guarding him? Ben. Oh my God, he was yo. He was a problem. So first of all. Providence came down earlier that year to to Nova. We played them at Wells Fargo. I had to be in Snowden in the hotel for three days, and they beat us. And I'm not using the hotel three days for an excuse because they had the snow problems too. I'm just saying, like, how crazy that stretch of time was. And they beat us at Wells Fargo and doing off for, like, 30-plus points. And he was just a bad MF of man. Like, he was offensively, I don't know what the hell happened, but one day, like, something clicked in that man's head and, like, <laughs> He just he just turned into like mellow. It was scary as hell because like he just you couldn't do anything with him. He was too damn strong to stop. You could shoot the three. Like he he went from a a guy who will shoot an open three to though that's a shooter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like he couldn't put the ball on the floor extremely well, but pretty much it was like it was either a three or offensive rebound. He was good around the basket. He was savvy, like 
Yo, Ben was a problem. Ben was a problem, yo. Yeah, but he's no problem for you. You still scored a double double. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like I'm telling you, like it was. I think of that game. Yo, hold on. I'm pretty sure he had 20 that game. And <laughs> he didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain. You look back at the box score. I am almost certain he did not score more than three points in the first half, and he finished with 20. I remember that game got scary as hell when he started to light up. Somebody <laughs> fouled him like an and one three. He made the free throw. He came out in the second half like hot. He scored 20. So that's just – he was automatic, bro. He was automatic. <laughs> he ain't played a lick of defense, though. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like I'm 19 kidding, points kidding. off him. It didn't seem like you played much defense <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, nonetheless, it was a fantastic game. And what a great way to uh, kind of showcase your talents and the whole reason why you're there, why you're a key part of that bench, why you're a key part when uh, – your teammate went down and why you scored a double-double in your first game and why you deserved that D1 scholarship and that opportunity to play at Villanova. But uh, anyway, getting back to the rest of this season, you guys enter the uh, NCAA tournament uh, as a number two seed. You take on UNC Asheville. You guys easily handle them. You easily handle number 25, Iowa. Easily handle number 10, Miami. Easily handle number one, Kansas. I mean – you guys are beating some top-tier talent. You take on number seven, Oklahoma. You guys put an absolute whooping on them. And then you take on UNC. Now, let's start from the beginning. What was Coach Wright telling you guys right before tip-off, getting close, taking on the number three, North Carolina Tar Heels, in the national championship? Same thing to us every game. You know, it was just the only difference between that game and every other game was there would be no – we're going to go back tomorrow and look at it and get ready for the next day. You know what I mean? Because right. um, Conley would say, you know, this is this is the biggest game because our next game. And we're going to go out here and win. And then we'll go home and look at the film and get better. Or we're going to lose. And we'll go home and look at the film and get better. Um, and it's kind of like, it's kind of paradoxical, you know, because in a way he's, at the same time, building the game with the biggest game because our next game, he's kind of like downplaying in the same sense of, Either way, we're going to do the same thing after this game. But after the UNC game, there would be no, we're going to go back and look at it and get better. You know, there was no more practices. There would be no recovery days after that. So obviously it was heightened. It was a championship. But his message was, was pretty concurrent with the, the rest of the season. I mean, you guys were an incredibly talented bunch. I mean, Jalen Brunson, who's currently on the Mavericks. Josh Hart, who went from my Lakers to the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Eric Paschal, Dante DiVincino was a, a, a freshman at the time. Mikel Bridges, who is absolutely tearing it up in Phoenix. I live in Arizona. I have seen Mikel Bridge play. He is very, very good. Uh, and, I mean, you guys were a solid bunch as a number two seed to knock off two – or well, excuse me, knock off the number one Kansas team and then to beat UNC. I mean, what did it feel like to be a champion? It was great. It's one of those things, it's just like, you know, you remember it from that time. I think the thing we took the most from it was like, not to sound or anything, but the relationships. Like, yeah, like people ask, oh, you never wear your ring out? It's like, hell no, I never wear the ring out. Like, it's not, you know, that's nice. And obviously we won, but like that that group of guys, like the fact that we're still cool and we still can chop it up, is, is probably like the dopest part of that championship. You know what I mean? Like, um, and the 2018 team has that to their in their own way too. It's just for that season to end like that, you know, you always kind of have those guys in your memory. Just like, all right, you know, 
know, I got done. I think I paid. So it was nice, man. It was it was it was dope. It's produced some of the funniest pictures ever. Uh, there's a picture somewhere on the internet of me like holding up Chris and I'm yelling, but it's like a fish lens, like a fish eye lens. It looks hilarious. It looks like something from Wayne's World. Like it's hilarious, but like, nah, man, that was that's something we'll never forget. There's a, a video of YouTube of you uh, laying down on the floor in the locker room, and a, one of the reporters from some news outlet is laying down with you, interviewing. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, man, my man Scott Graham. But, I was not getting up like that. No, I bet not. I mean, I know it's kind of a cliched question to ask, what did it feel like to win a championship? But, you know, I mean, I, I kind of get back to the whole point of, at least for me making this pod, this this particular series for this podcast is – uh, just to get an idea of, you know, what it's like to step, you know, you, you got an opportunity to step on the floor in a national championship game, compete along your teammates and win a national championship. There are a lot of guys who don't even have a championship appearance. I went to Grand Canyon University. Unless New Mexico State leaves the whack, they're never making the uh, NCAA tournament. I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, it's it's one thing to witness it on TV, but it's another thing to experience it. And it's it's incredible. Yeah, man, it was great. Like, it was like, I can't, you know, I can't, it was crazy. You know, it was crazy as hell. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Like, and then to see it happen for Chris, that was a big deal too. You know, he had really fought his whole career. So, like, to see that moment and like that was huge. So, you in your senior year, you missed five games with a rib injury. Uh, you finish out your run at Villanova. Um, you enter the 2017 NBA draft. You, did you, you uh, participated in the draft combine, yes? Uh, no, 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 I did not. I had workouts, but I did not uh, participate in the combine. Well, one of those workouts uh, led to an opportunity to possibly play for the Philadelphia 76ers, your hometown team. I mean, that right there is a dream in itself. What is it like getting that opportunity? And actually, how did that opportunity come about? <laughs> So, ours, this is my story. This, this is probably, and it's like, whoever's listening to this is definitely going to be like, he makes, he's making this up. But I, I promise to God, I am not. Um, I had the workout, and it went great. I was actually in the workout with Josh Hart and Dylan Ennis, who transferred from Villanova, went to Oregon, and our senior year, he went, uh, they went to the, the Final Four. So, uh, me, Josh, and all in the same Sixers workout, and obviously it's like, what the hell? <laughs> um, I have a great workout. I show out. I'm hitting threes and taking people off the dribble. I'm pretty much showing off everything that I couldn't have going over, and I'm feeling myself to the fullest. After the workout, uh, trying to get a call. Obviously, the draft comes and goes, and I get drafted. The draft guy in the second round, who's similar to me. And as some of these about to start, I'm talking to my agent and I'm like, listen, I have an opportunity to go to Dubai. Um, Mason Plumley was putting on a camp through, you know, some, some ties. I knew him enough to be able to go out there and pretty much just, it was like, if you can handle your flight, we can handle the lodging, but just come out to Dubai. So I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So my agent's like, listen, a, a bird in the hand is better than one in the bush. Go, you know, the Sixers ain't called yet. And I... You know, I'm not saying I don't think they will, but you say by your phone, but at the same time, it's like, that's not something you just necessarily got to pass up. Right. So I say bet. I sit 14 hours on a flight, land in Dubai the night of Eve. People don't know Eve, Mavorik is like, um, that's like the, the, the Muslim equivalent of Christmas. 
Okay. So it's the equivalent of, of landing by the Vatican. Well, not the Vatican because it wasn't Mecca. Uh, it's the equivalent of, of being in New York on Christmas Eve. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being in uh, Paris on Christmas Eve. It was that type of euphoria. Great night. Uh, the next day, wake up, go to the sand dunes, blah, blah, blah. I make it back to the hotel around 10. I go for a little stroll. I'm walking around, seeing the city. I make it back to the hotel around 12 their time. I haven't even been here. I've been here about 24 hours at this point. As soon as I get back, I log on to the internet. Boom, 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 boom. I have several WhatsApp messages, several missed calls, FaceTime, and they're all from my agent. I call him back. What the hell is going on? Obviously, it's like 3 p.m. out there for him, so he's wondering why I'm not picking up. And he says, listen, the sister said they got one more spot, but you got to be here by Thursday. It was Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, joking. I was like, you're joking. He was like, listen, man, if you want that spot, you got to get here. I get the flight. I leave at 8 a.m. the next morning. I get back. I go to the gym at Nova. Uh, my stuff was still up there. I was still living in that area. I go to the gym at Nova. I work out. I get some shots up. I, I lay back down. And the next day, I went to training camp for them for those several days, made that summer league team. And then uh, I was on. I was on. Yeah, you did play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you go from Dubai on a Tuesday to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on a uh, on a Thursday. What an incredibly <laughs> an incredible flight that must have been. I was sick. That way, I just oh. sat fourteen hours. Like it was the flight, but it was also the fact that, like, man, I wasn't there long enough to get flicks off. Like I wasn't there long. Like it doesn't even. I don't even feel like I really. I don't even feel right saying I went. I'm like, oh my god, I went to Dubai. It's like I touched down, sneezed, and left. <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was great. <laughs> it, was, it was great, man. It was, it was a great experience. I bet that cheesesteak afterwards tasted pretty good, though. Oh my God, it was amazing. Then I was staying in the hotel. I was staying in the hotel right by uh, Penn's Landing. So I walked over to Ishkabibbles. It was like, it turned out to be great. Don't get me wrong, these are good problems to have. It was just like, damn. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> damn. So you go from Dubai to Philadelphia. You play for the uh, Summer League team. You end up on the G League team. Uh, what was it like playing G League basketball? You know, you get that opportunity with the 76ers possibly down the road. I'm, what was G League basketball like? I mean, G League basketball is cool. Um, I ultimately ended up switching over and going to uh, to Europe for the rest of the year because I just felt like, you know, like G League is cool, but it's, to be honest, it feels a lot like AAU. Okay. It feels a lot like a bunch of, um, just a bunch of like, just rushed, you know, kind of, microwaved uh processes and it seems like everybody's there just trying to get theirs off the, the, i'm not saying the team function kind of left but like g league in the sense of aau is so enticing because there's like i'm not saying an immediate goal but an immediate goal and it's the same difference i feel between a season of high school basketball versus the season of aau like when you're chasing a championship a true championship and everything you do isn't set up in a tournament type of way or like a there seems to be an immediate, you know, like payoff type of way. I feel like then you build something more foundational, you build something more real. And that's what I love about European basketball. It's why Kobe spoke to the idea of the Europeans 
um, eventually becoming better than Americans in basketball. And that's, that's, it's very realistic because American basketball, because it's so sped up now, because it's so points, 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 because it's so individualized, you know, it's losing common some of its essence. And now guys don't know how to play the game. You know, they know how to do drills. They know how to do, they know how to make highlight reels. They know how to look good, but it's like, you don't know how to play the game and win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and European basketball still has that. I, I might be a dinosaur for talking like this. You know, times change yeah. at the end of the day. But, like, European basketball still has that. It's such a listen. Like, the highest, like, for example, like, I averaged nine and eight over there. And over here, it's like, that's laughable. The highest guy in the league averaged 21. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's such a grind. It's such a – and it's not because the skill level is just – the fouls are way harder. You know, we always complain about European players are dirty. No, over there it's just more physical. You know what I mean? Um, they have to really rely on skill because the athleticism is not there. You know what I mean? So it's like you're talking about a completely different style of basketball. And to me, when I was looking at it, you know, during the, the G League thing, I'm like, that's probably a better fit. So once I made that jump, things took off and had a great year over there and actually was set in line to – uh, make six figures in the following year, and I, I blew up. Obviously, I, I had like you know, average eight. And I was like, they looking at that like this is a rookie to average the double and double in the top league in Poland. And um, like I said, I mean, in my mind, I was going to come back during the summer, either try the G League thing again, or go overseas and, and make a, a lot of money for ten months out of the year while somebody takes care of my apartment. So I was like, I'm set. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and kind of touching back on your first point, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I You and I grew up in kind of this renaissance era of basketball, which was the early 2000s, and we got to see one team that has continually dominated the NBA, maybe not of recent years because they're still kind of piecing together their franchise, but it's the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich has put together – there's a reason why Tim Duncan's nickname was the Big Fundamentals because Tim Duncan knew how to play basketball. And all those guys, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, Bruce Bowen, uh, Tim Duncan, David Robinson when he was there, they all filled a role. They all had a purpose on the team. It wasn't how it is now where you you can really – I mean, we saw it with the Miami Heat in 2011. They had D. Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James. They proved that you could have a team of Mike Millers and Shane Battiers and still win the championship. It's like it's it's just uh, it's it's a team sport and obviously like yeah things are changing like I said there's no need to be a dinosaur act like things ain't gonna be a little different but at the same time like it's we have to if not get back to it understand it we are setting ourselves up for hell you know what I mean like because at the end of the day like all that athleticism all that stuff like it looks good. You know, in a in a highlight room, looks good for a night, but that stuff doesn't win championships. And you see time and time again the teams that win championships are that teams that understand it. That's why the Raptors won last year. They had a bunch of experienced guys that, you know, yeah, it would be this variable, that variable, but they understood what winning was. You know, they had lost enough to understand, listen, if you keep this real simple, you can win. That's what we did at Nova. That's what the Spurs continually do. And, like, any team that you see that's good or any player that you see is constantly good, like, you hear Kobe break down Kyrie's game on detail. If you ever watch that, and, like, Kobe will straight up say Kyrie has three simple moves. He can go left. He can go right. He can shoot. That is why Kyrie is what he is. Not because of the step backs and the pit pad and all that other stuff that, yeah, looks good, but it's like 
It's a very simple game. I'm mad how late I figured that out, but it's a very simple game if you make it that way. But it's, I mean, yeah, no, I, I Kobe Bryant is, is a meticulous basketball player, and I'm not surprised he could look at Kyrie Irving and go, yeah, he does this, and that's about it. I mean, it's it's incredible what, what these guys, you know, what some of these guys go through to to continue to study the game and, and just be better. And, you know, Kobe Bryant was a freak of nature. We both know that. But uh, another Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of separation. You talk about uh, Kawhi Leonard. He played on the San Antonio Spurs. So uh, there's the connection again. Exactly. But anyway, so, you know, you, you do end up in, in May of 2018. You did tear your ACL. Uh, it was a pickup game at LaSalle campus. Um, but there was some positive that came out of that. You created Stay Tuned with D-Ray, and you got an opportunity to catch up with some of your old teammates and some alumni. And what, what was it What was it like kind of recovering and also maybe finding a different passion? Um, it was the best and the worst. Uh, you know, well, actually, no, look, looking back on it, it's the best. But in the middle of it was the best and the worst. Uh, around the time I laid, I, it wasn't just my ACL. I tore my ACL, LCL, PCL, and I ripped off my hamstring. Jeez. And when I ripped off my hamstring, I had nerve damage from the knee down. I actually still am dealing with it. I'm still recovering from it. So it was the worst in the sense of, like, every time I would talk to a doctor, every time I attended physical therapy, or every time I got another opinion, it started to become more and more clear how serious this injury really was, which was pretty much something that was going to put my career on hold with, definitely. Um and then, you know, I, I think I'm a very, I'm a nomad by nature and nurture at this point. Like I had to move around a lot when I was younger, you know, and it was me and my moms. And I'm now at a point where it's like, I don't know how to sit still. You know what I mean? I think I was naturally one of them people and then that didn't help. This was the first time in my life where I really had to sit down and digest and I couldn't just get up and take a drive or get up and just leave the house. Like I was really laid up because of how bad uh, in shape my leg was. Um... So, you know, it was crazy. It was a very difficult time. But then, like, we started to do the show. And it's funny, my first guest was JP and James Bell. So, J. Law Pinkston and James Taj Bell, my first guest. And I told the show, I was like, everybody made the plan out. Like, it's going to be hype. It's going to be funny. It's going to be this, going to be that. And um, that first one was effing awful. It was terrible. <laughs> and I was, I was too stiff. I was too damn stiff. And then, you know, I got shook off the cobwebs or whatever. Um, and Arch comes on for the second episode and we just kill it. And then I was just on a roll from there. And I was like, I love this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those three days of shoot, we shot 21 interviews in three days. And over those three days of shooting, I was like, you know what? Like this is, I joke about it, but I was like, in a in a way, this I feel like this was almost like my Will Smith moment. Like ball was rap for Will Smith, and like <laughs> then he got hold of he got hold of acting and was like, oh, this is what I was put here for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good thing that was. It's a good thing that was more of your uh, your version of get jiggy with it instead of your version of Wild Wild West because that could have ended poorly. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Oh my god! No. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, they, they that one and, and that last movie at Gemini Man, like listen, I am a diehard I will argue you down about how he is the best actor ever and like his ability to be all these different roles and stuff like that. 
But that Gemini man sucked the ass. So I'll definitely not be seeing Gemini Man anytime soon. Are you going to go see uh, Bad Boys 3? Oh, hell yeah. You, you got to. You got okay. to see Bad Boys 3. I don't think they're going to mess that up. But Gemini Man is a hell to the null. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, flash for, let's fast forward uh, to 2019 Daryl Reynolds. Uh, outside of hating Gemini Man and the recent movie decisions of Will Smith, um, <laughs> What is going on in the world of Daryl Reynolds? Uh, stay tuned. Network is a full-time media company now. I'm currently self-employed. I left Nova back in October, on October 18th, the day of the USC scrimmage. Um, like I said, Stay Tuned Network is a full-time media company. I'm actually bringing on more shows um, to kind of, I'm not going to say assist with mine, but It'll pretty much be several like other voices on the network besides me. Very nice. And um, yeah, man, that's it. That's really it. Just just full steam ahead with that. I'm doing some, I'm doing some writing for a site called Philly Sports Nation. Very nice. I'm doing some uh, writing for a site up in New York called Culture Hub, and, and a national site called Wedgeron Enterprises. So it's just. Really just get my hands on as much as I can, trying to figure out what direction I want to go. And I actually had the Michigan State uh, Seton Hall game the other day with the Big East Digital Networks. So they brought me on there and did some studio work. So really just, you know, just figuring it out, man. Sounds like we should stay tuned for more uh, Daryl Reynolds news then, yeah? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, no, it's definitely about to pick up. Like, things are definitely about to to take off over this next year or so. It's just been, it's been fun. I, I found new life in this. Don't get me wrong, I missed the hell out of the game. I really wish I could uh, I could play again. And I'm not saying that's completely over, but uh, I do miss the hell out of the game. But at the same time, things are fun. Daryl, I've got one more question for you. Uh, what would be some advice you'd give a kid right now who's, you know, maybe not getting looked at by all the schools, maybe not having the best AAU experience? What would be your advice for them? Think of what you would tell yourself in 10 years. Um, you know what I mean? I, I think any decision that you look at um, when it comes to this game, I think it's always important to think how you would feel in 10 years, as much as you can. Obviously, you can't fast forward 10, to 10 years. You don't know what life is going to throw at you. You don't know what changes you're going to go through without even realizing it. But you know, for the ones you can control, for the, the stuff that is foreseeable, um, think of what you would do in 10 years. You know, I, the first game I played was chess, and that's how I think of life. And I feel like when you deal with things like that, it always kind of leads to a better decision. You know, you've got to think several moves ahead, as many moves ahead as you can, you know, for everything that you do. When you're picking these colleges or picking these AAU teams, you know, think about, like I said, 10 years down the line, how would I feel about this decision today? The man is an NCAA champion. He is a current uh, voice of Leon, or Lower Marion High School. He is on the Stay Tuned Network, and you're going to definitely want to stay tuned for more from Daryl Reynolds. 
host of Big Five on the Believe Podcast Network, co-host of Believe in 76ers. Daryl, thank you very, very much for uh, for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Uh, Daryl, is there any uh, social medias people can go check you out at? Uh, yeah. Um, my own Twitter is D-R-E-Y, D-Ray, the director. Um, on Instagram, D.R-E-Y 44. Uh, follow the Stay Tuned Network, um, you know, for updates and shows and stuff coming in. That's really it, man. That's really it. Well, sir, I want to thank you. <laughs> Your LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Daryl, thank you very, very much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.